High five about six people on the way to your seat. Elbow bump them, foot smack them, however you want to do it. Tell them let's have revival. Amen. Stand with me if you would all over this house for the reading of the word of the Lord. I want to hasten to the scriptures tonight. And I do not intend on holding you very long. But don't hold your breath. <laughs> I ain't making any promises. I was said if you're going to make a promise to keep it. And so I ain't promising nothing. But I'm going to try to be expeditious tonight in delivering the word of the Lord. How many of you were here last Tuesday night? My, 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 what an amazing time we had in the word of the Lord last Tuesday night. If you were here, amen, hallelujah, I'm excited too. Glory be to Jesus. And uh, if you were here last Tuesday night, I began a series about the blessed life. How many of you want to live the blessed life? How many of you understand that the blessed life doesn't just happen? A blessed life is a life that is orchestrated by God. And God does not leave it a mystery to us. He does not leave it as some esoteric knowledge that we are forever striving for but can never receive. God gives it to us very plainly in his word. And uh, so when we study the word of the Lord, God has keys. God has particular principles in his word that if we apply them to our life, if we recognize them, then we can live a life that is blessed by God. And so we began to teach last week out of Matthew chapter 5. And that is where we will continue this week uh, in review. Amen. You can be seated. You can just be seated tonight. I'm not going to read a text. I'm just going to jump in. Just keep playing for a couple minutes. Find a, find a good spot to bail out, okay? In review, you'll remember that the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, and sequentially chapter 6 and chapter 7 are all part of the famous Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most uh, popularized portion of Jesus' earthly ministry. It is certainly the longest uh, presentation of oratory that we have recorded concerning Jesus and the word of the Lord. For three chapters, he delivers a famous sermon and it is from the very beginning of this sermon that we begin to, uh, to extrapolate what we felt like God has for us last week. And you will remember that we began to talk a little bit about the geography of this portion of Scripture and its significance. God does not deliver this sermon to the masses. He does not deliver this word to the crowd. The Bible said that when the crowd came together that Jesus left the crowd and he went up into a mountain. And it was only the disciples that followed him into the mountain because not everybody will follow Jesus up into the mountain. 
Not everybody is willing to go and, and incline and, and work and inconvenience themselves. And so oftentimes God will position particular things in a way that only the serious seeker can find them. This is one of the reasons we find Jesus uh, using what is known as parabolic teaching in his ministry. In preaching with parables, he was able to veil the content of truth from those who were not serious seekers of truth, while those who were serious seekers of truth uh, were able to understand and they would prod far enough uh, that they could receive what he was trying to preach and to teach. And so it is in this particular mode of preaching or teaching that Jesus goes up into the mountain. And it is only the disciples that follow him there. And we spent a few minutes uh, looking at the verse that says that when they got to where he was set, that then he opened up his mouth and began to speak to them. There are some things that God will not reveal to you on the ground. There were some things that God will not speak to you in convenience. There are some truths and revelations that God will not give you in places of, of normalcy. But when you follow after God, when you, uh, when, when you seek after him and you are willing uh, to go the extra mile and you are willing to inconvenience yourself and, and you understand that sometimes uh, you've got to go higher, uh, sometimes you've got to ascend the mountain, it is sometimes uh, only when you get into those places that God opens his mouth and begins to speak. It is almost like the operation of uh, automated doors. The doors open, but they open based on sensors. You can be all the way in the parking lot, and the doors are automatic doors, but they will not open when you get out of the car. They will not open as you walk through the parking lot. It is only when you get within the sphere of detection of the sensors that the door will open to give you access. In the same way, there are particular uh, things that God will only allow you to access uh, when you get within close enough proximity of him. There are some things that remain closed. They remain locked. Uh, and when you get to that certain proximity with him, he opens his mouth and begins to speak. Verse number three, we spoke about it last week. We we uncovered the, the truth that he begins with, nine things that he uncovers that are, that are to be characteristic of the disciples. If they are going to be blessed, he lists nine things that are paramount to living a blessed life. And in verse number three last week, we studied where he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we know that that means blessed are they that understand that with God, without God, we are nothing. 
To be poor in spirit is to simply have an understanding and a, a revelation that without God, I am nothing. The apostle Paul said, I must decrease that he may increase. He also said, I know that in me dwelleth no good thing. Without God, my life falls apart. He's the glue holding everything together. It's interesting because even science understands in all of their molecular studies and, and genetic studies of, of molecules and, and matter of, of space and the time continuums, they, they, they get it all the way down to understanding atomic science and neuroscience. But at the end of the day, they say that there is a, a force that cannot be measured, that cannot be uh, completely defined, that, that is somehow holds all of it uh, together in structure. Uh, they don't know what it is, so they simply call it uh, the Colossian force. Uh, but we know what it is tonight because the Bible said uh, that in him uh, we live uh, and we move uh, and we have uh, our being. Uh, we exist uh, because of him. Uh, without God, we could not breathe tonight. Uh, without God, the whole universe uh, would simply fall apart tonight. Uh, without God, come on somebody. Uh, the poor in spirit are those that understand uh, who he is uh, and who we are. Uh, when I want to get lifted up in myself, uh, when I want to get lifted up uh, in who I am uh, and what I've accomplished, uh, all I have to do is remember uh, that he is the vine uh, and we are the branches. Uh, and without him, uh, we are uh, nothing. Mm. And when we live with that revelation, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. My perfect will will be unfolded in their life. I'll give to them the best life. Woo, how many of you know what God has planned for you is better than what you have planned for you? I just need about 15 believers in the building. How many of you really believe uh, that what God has in store for you is greater uh, than anything you could put on a vision board? Uh, it's greater than anything you could write down on a piece of, come on, it's better than anything uh, a financial planner can do for you uh, or a life coach uh, can help you figure. If you'll tap into the plan of God, uh, if you'll tap into the mind of God, uh, if you'll, you'll have a life that'll bless Blow your uh, mind. You can walk in perfect peace. Uh, you can walk in ultimate fulfillment. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so it is from that position that we move on tonight to the next beatitude or the next characteristic concerning those that are living the blessed life. Now, I don't know that I'm going to be able to spend an entire service on every one of these, but I do feel like tonight taking a few moments on this next characteristic. The next characteristic is very unique because in comparison to the other eight, it has a uniqueness about it. All of the other characteristics are action. They are 
things that you would be intentional about doing or becoming. They speak to uh, the existentiality of who you become, your character. But this next thing is a little bit different. The next beatitude, he says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning is typically associated with the process of loss. Mourning is typically associated with the process of coping and dealing with the loss of something. This seems to be unique in this list of characteristics because nobody lives life intentional about mourning. Nobody lives life intending on losing something. Nobody marks it down as one of their goals in life to lose something or to lose somebody. But child, if you live long enough, eventually you'll lose something. If you live long enough, you will eventually lose somebody. If you live long enough, despite your best efforts, you will experience what loss is all about. And the word of the Lord says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You cannot and will not live life and completely avoid the idea of losing something. I know, I know we, we like the prosperity gospel that tells us life is all about the pluses and not the L's. But if you live long enough, you'll discover that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You will find that there are going to be moments in time when you lose something. Oh, and I know we typically talk about the death of a person, but there are a lot of things you can lose in life that will cause you to mourn. There are a lot of things you can lose in life that can put you you in a place uh, of trying to process uh, the loss that is in uh, your life. I don't have time to talk about it all uh, tonight, but can I tell you uh, that the word of the Lord tells us uh, that when it happens, uh, if you are a disciple of his, uh, God said you uh, will be uh, comforted. Help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, when it comes, when the loss takes place, if you are a disciple of his, you will be comforted. Now, I know you're trying to understand what I'm talking about, but in order to really get this tonight, you have to understand the definition of comfort. Because God's definition of comfort, come here, Brother Matthew, is a whole lot deeper and further reaching than simply saying it's going to be all right. Typically, when we think about comfort, this is what we think about. It's going to be okay. 
a word of encouragement, a, an arm that pats us on the back, maybe, a, maybe, maybe somebody that holds you. I ain't, ain't going to hold his hand tonight. A soft word, a kind gesture. Those are the things that we would say are synonymous with the idea of comfort. And while that indeed is part of comfort, can I tell you that God's definition of comfort goes much further beyond that. When you begin to look at the word comfort in the Bible and in particularly in this scripture, the word comforted there comes from the word uh, uh, par, uh, paracletu or, or paraclu. Uh, the word paraclu comes from the root word uh, paraclete, uh, which simply means uh, to stand next to somebody uh, and to assist them. And so when God says uh, that I am going to uh, comfort you, uh, what he is declaring unto you uh, is that in those moments of mourning, uh, you will not be uh, by yourself, uh, but I will uh, be uh, with you. Oh, you've got to get a hold of this uh, because it doesn't matter who uh, isn't with you. Uh, when God is with you, uh, you've got everything uh, that you need. Um, Oh, God said your best friend uh, might not be able to comfort you. Uh, your husband, your wife, uh, your mama and him uh, may not be able to comfort you. Uh, but when you are mourning, uh, blessed are they uh, that do mourn, uh, for they shall uh, be uh, comforted. Uh, you can guarantee that I uh, will be with you. Uh, I will be standing uh, next to you you. Uh, I will be there uh, to help you. Uh, you will not be uh, by yourself. Uh, I came to preach to somebody in the building uh, that knows what it's like uh, to fight loneliness uh, in a time of mourning. Uh, I came to preach to somebody uh, that knows what it's like to fight the feeling uh, of aloneness uh, when you've experienced a loss, uh, when it feels like you lost a friendship, uh, when it feels like you lost uh, a position uh, when it feels like you lost something uh, and you're mourning uh, I came to preach to you uh, you are not uh, by yourself uh, God said blessed are they that mourn um, for they shall uh, be comforted they shall be comforted as a matter of fact, a quick study of Scripture will bring you to the book of John chapter 14 and verse number 18 where the disciples are bothered because Jesus is speaking to them concerning his resurrection. And he is telling them that I uh, am going to leave you here. Uh, I'm going away to prepare uh, a place for you. Uh, and they're disturbed in their spirit. Uh, well, well, what are you going to mean? What do you mean you're going to leave us here uh, all by yourself? Uh, but he looks at them and said, uh, I will not leave you uh, comfortless. That word comfortless there uh, comes from the Greek word uh, orphanos, uh, where we get the word orphan. Woo! 
this is powerful. It's one thing to be left alone. It's another thing to be orphaned. To be orphaned means that you got parents, but they're MIA. To be orphaned means uh, that somebody's supposed to be taking care of you, but they're nowhere to be found. He said, I will not leave you uh, orphanos. Uh, can I just encourage somebody right now uh, that when people in your life uh, who are supposed to take care of you uh, feels like they leave you by yourself, uh, you're not by yourself. Uh, you've got a God uh, who is the father uh, of uh, all. Uh, he will never leave you. Uh, he will never forsake you. Uh, I will not leave you uh, like an orphan. I will not leave you uh, comfortless. I came to preach right now to somebody. Uh, uh, I've oftentimes ran into people uh, who have experienced dysfunction uh, in the family and maybe it was uh, an absent father or uh, a family that was divorced. Things uh, that can skew in our mind uh, the idea of parents uh, and their role that they play in our life. Uh, and if we're not careful we come uh, into the house of God uh, and we let the dysfunction uh, of what we've experienced in our life uh, cause us to mismanage relationships uh, because we, we don't know how to expect proper things uh, from people uh, but when you receive uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, you are born uh, into a new family uh, and you've got a new uh, father uh, and I don't care what your father did uh, in the natural. I don't care if he left you. I don't care if he abandoned you. don't know what you're talking about, preacher. I came to tell you you're looking at a boy who was estranged from his father at four years old, who was beaten within inches of his life, abuse, alcohol, divorce. But at 14 years old, when I received the Holy Ghost, the very first thing I felt was the loving arm Arms of a father that wrapped themselves around me. And I knew this is what I've been looking for my entire life. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. God said, I'll be there. I'll stand beside you. I won't abandon you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I just feel like preaching this out here for a moment. Somewhere you got to let the grace of God cause you to let go of the jail cell that we hold people in sometimes for the mistakes that they've made in our lives. People that have done us wrong, people that have left us, people that have dropped us, people that have, you got to understand uh, that one of these days, uh, God's going to require you to look through the, look at them uh, through the same eyes of mercy uh, that he looks at you through. Uh, God's going to, come on, uh, blessed are the merciful, uh, for they, I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, for they shall obtain uh, mercy. Uh, whenever you get a qualification yourself uh, that you've never 
never let somebody down, uh, that you've never hurt somebody, uh, that you that's when you'll be qualified. Uh, but somewhere along the way, uh, God needs you to let go uh, and understand uh, they made mistakes. Uh, they let me down, uh, but my God will never let me down. Uh, my God will never make uh, a mistake. Uh, my God will never uh, abandon me. Uh, I will not leave you uh, comfortless. When you mourn, God said, I'm going to be there with you. You're laying there at night, and nobody can understand what you're feeling. Just call my name, and I'm there with you. Woo! When you're driving down the road in your car, uh, tears streaming down your face, uh, and you don't know how to handle the pain uh, that life has brought to you, uh, just lift your hands, uh, and you'll feel me standing uh, right with you. Uh, you're not by yourself. Uh, blessed are they that mourn, uh, for they shall be comforted. Keep reading the chapter. He goes on to say in John 14 and 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. That word comforter there in the book of John is the word parakletos. Comes from the same word as parakletao. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 4, God said, I'm here to help you. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to assist you. Now, I want you to follow me tonight because the problem is, is that sometimes God's assistance, God's comfort doesn't look like we think it should. How many of you have ever had a parent look at you before with a belt in their hand? And say, this is going to hurt me. More than it's going to hurt you. Now see, if you're a parent, you understand this. But if you're a kid, this is heresy. This is false doctrine. How, have you lost your mind? Mom, just give me the belt and let me show you the error of your ways. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. But that parent understands that the current pain has purpose. And when you experience pain without the revelation of purpose. I told somebody the other day, I said, when, when, when you don't understand purpose, 
A surgeon's scalpel can look like a knife that's going to kill you. The same tool that can kill you is the same tool that can save you. But if your perception is wrong, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. No, it ain't. I promise it ain't, Mama. And Mama gives you the whipping, understanding that in the long run, there's a purpose to this thing. And you don't understand how the pain is going to help you. But later on, you get the understanding that the pain saved my life. The pain was a teacher. The experience was God's show. My God, have mercy. And what I used to curse my mom for, I now thank her for. Oh, come on, somebody. The thing that you might hold somebody accountable for now uh, you might be thanking them for uh, later uh, because what you thought was there uh, to hurt you uh, was there to bless you it just takes a little growing up to see it differently it just takes a little maturity uh, before you see it the way uh, that it should be seen whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth there's often times in immaturity a disassociation of purpose and pain that causes us to live as a dysfunctional Christian. But as we begin to grow in God, beginning to understand, all right, God, I trust you in the process. I trust you. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be Comforted. God's comfort doesn't always look like what we think it should. If you jump over to 1 Samuel, the last verse of chapter number 15, you will find the prophet Samuel, Bible said, mourning over Saul. He no longer would go to him. Saul wasn't dead. But there was a break in the relationship that caused him to mourn. There was a loss in his life that caused him to mourn. And I don't want to get stuck on the purpose of Saul and his mistakes. And David, that's not the, the point of what I'm trying to, to talk to you about tonight. My point is that there are going to be moments and times when things happen in life uh, that cause you to mourn. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in chapter 16, verse number 1, we find God's comfort to the mourning. Chapter 16, verse number 1, God shows up and he does not put his arm around Samuel and say, I understand. It's going to be okay. Instead, he asks a question. How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Sometimes God's assistance is God reminding you that you can't mourn forever. 
Sometimes we don't need uh, an arm around our shoulder uh, and we don't need uh, a word of encouragement. Uh, sometimes the comfort, uh, sometimes God's assistance uh, is bringing us to a realization uh, that you got to keep uh, moving uh, forward. Uh, how long uh, are you going to mourn uh, for Saul? Uh, oh, I came to preach to somebody uh, that when you go through times, uh, of mourning. It's important for you to shed a tear. It's important for you to process the loss. It's important, but don't get stuck in the morning. Don't get stuck in that position. God's got the rest of your life in front of you. Your tomorrow is waiting on you. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. Why and how long shall you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him as king. Then he gives him some instruction. What's he doing? He's comforting him. To comfort means to stand beside and assist. But don't you, you're so insensitive. You don't even care. You don't even, you're not even, God said, come on, dry up your tears. Uh, the time for crying is over. Uh, the time for, come on, how long uh, are you going? Uh, I'm, I'm going somewhere tonight. Uh, how long uh, are you going? To, uh, listen to what he tells him. Uh, he said, Samuel, uh, grab your horn uh, and fill it uh, with oil. You know what that tells me? That his horn was empty. He had poured out all of the oil in his last venture that didn't work out. He had given everything he had to what didn't work out. And he was so focused on an empty horn and a failed attempt with the king that God had to comfort him by saying, don't get so focused on your empty horn and your failed opportunity that you miss my destiny and my future. Get up from your crying. Wipe your tears. Fill your horn full of oil. Why? Because I've got a David that's waiting on you to get there. I've got another king that's ready to receive that anointing oil. I've got a future. Oh, Samuel, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you, get up and quit crying. Get up and dry your tears. How long are you going to mourn? I came to tell you that God's comfort tonight is get up and fill your horn with oil because your tomorrow is waiting on you. I'm not going to be a whole lot longer. Music can come. Get your horn, fill it with oil. There's more for you to pour out. God have mercy. People get stuck in mourning and they start walking around saying, I don't have nothing left to give. 
I gave everything on Saul and it didn't work out. I tried it before and it didn't work out for me. I tried doing that before and look where it got me. I don't have anything left to give. I don't have anything more I can try. I've already been there and done that. I guess I'm just dried up. The devil is a liar. When you get stuck in a state of mourning, it will cause you to forfeit the future of God's purpose in your life. God said, get up and feel your horn with oil you're going to prophesy again you're going to pour again you're going to speak over kings again I'm going to put my word in your mouth I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight but you've been in the season of mourning long enough you've been in the season focused on your loss long enough God sent your pastor tonight to preach the word to you it's time to get up and fill your horn with oil. Oh, come on, somebody. Oil is always a type of the Holy Ghost. It's time for you to get up and get in a prayer meeting until God's anointing fills you up again, until God's call on your life fills you up again. Come on, Saul. You're not a has-been. You're not a retiree. You're not a failure. I still got a purpose for you. I've still got a meaning for you. But in order to get there, you have to leave here. In order to operate in future anointing, you've got to let go of current mourning. Get up. Get up and fill your horn with oil. got something I'm going to do with you. Oh, somebody needs to hear your man of God tonight. Book of Psalm chapter 30 and verse number 5. The psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That tells me that morning is designed to simply be seasonal. That tells me that mourning was designed uh, to have a short life uh, and that mourning uh, and darkness uh, are together. There is a darkness, listen to me, uh, there is a darkness associated uh, with mourning uh, and you've got to be careful uh, not to get stuck uh, in the dark. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Come on, God's telling you it's time for you to walk forward because I've got a morning that's going to rise on you. The sun's going to shine again in your life. Oh, can I tell you that when the sun goes down and then the sun comes back up, it is the marking of a new day. Yesterday is 
gone. All things are passed away. God said weeping may endure for a night, but get your eyes on your tomorrow. You can't change yesterday. You can't fix yesterday. There's nothing you can do about it, but there's a new day coming, and I've got a fresh anointing, and I've got a fresh call. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. God loves you too much to let you stay stuck in the dark. God, I'm preaching to somebody right now that's got your heels dug in into your mourning. And it's turned into chains of bondage in your life. When you get stuck in mourning, you live dysfunctional in your tomorrow. Because you drag everything from your yesterday and you let it contaminate your tomorrow. But you've got to move forward. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you go to mourn, God said, I'm going to be right there to help you get through this. Not to this, but through this. I'm going to help you. I'm going to catch every tear you cry in a vial. I'm going to hear every word of sorrow that comes from your mouth. But there's going to come a moment when my word speaks to you and said, all right, it's time to stop crying. And it's time to get up and fill your horn with oil. And it's time to Move forward. That's Psalm 30 and 5. But if you keep reading the chapter, go all the way down to verse number 10 for me. Put that on the screen. Chapter 30 and verse number 10 of the book of Psalm. Listen to what he says. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Listen to this. Lord, be thou my helper. Paracletos, comforter. I need help, God. Be thou my helper. What is he talking about? Go to the next verse. Verse 11. Thou hast turned me for my mourning into dancing. God, I need you to help me. When you come, I want you to turn my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Can I tell you part of God's process of comfort is he's going to turn your mourning into dancing. God's going to turn your tears into rejoicing. God's going to take your experience and he's going to lift you up and you're going to come out uh, with a dance in your spirit, uh, with rejoicing uh, in your mouth. Uh, I came to preach uh, to somebody tonight uh, that God's bringing you up, uh, that God's calling you out, uh, that God's speaking to you. Uh, get up, uh, get up, uh, fill your horn with oil. Uh, I've got a new generation. Uh, I've got a new day. Uh, I'm going to turn your morning uh, into dancing. Uh, Come on, all over this place. Somebody ought to lift your hands right now. 
Somebody ought to lift your hands right now. I'll tell you what you need. You need the Holy Ghost to get a hold of you tonight. You need the Holy Ghost. To, you don't need another sympathy card. You don't need an appointment with a counselor. You just need the paracletos. You just need the Holy Ghost to grab a hold of you tonight and begin to turn your morning into dancing. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I feel the Holy Ghost right now wanting to comfort somebody. I know you lost some things. I know you let go of some things, but God's going to fill your horn. Come on. Come on, right now all over this place. Somebody open up your mouth. Somebody open your mouth. Somebody open your mouth right now. Somebody open your mouth right now. Yes. 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 Blessed are they that mourn. Here's what I want us to do tonight. I want everybody to get down to this altar. Come on, if you've got some things in your life that you need to let go of that have been troubling you, if you've got some things, some losses in your life that you've been mourning about that have caused you to be depressed, that have caused you to withdraw yourself, that have caused you to sidestep, God wants to renew you tonight. God wants to lay his hand on you tonight. God wants to speak to you you tonight uh, come on in the name of Jesus uh, in the name of Jesus uh, somebody lift your hands right where you're at uh, come on lift your hands uh, the comforter is here uh, I said the comforter is here uh, he's here to lift you up uh, he's here to help you uh, he's here to encourage you uh, he's here to guide you uh, he's here to move you forward uh, he's here to give you uh, the strength that you need uh, Come on, lift up your voice. Uh, lift up your voice. Uh, lift up your voice. Come on. Come on. Come on. How long you gonna cry? How long are you gonna mourn? Hey! Come on, the Holy Ghost wants to move you forward. The Holy Ghost. Come on, there it is. Come on, there it is. Come on, there it is. 